After over 160,000 employee layoffs in the tech sector in 2022, 2023 has already followed up with over 100,000 layoffs in just the first two months of the year alone. While this pales in comparison to the number of jobs being created in the overall economy, mass layoffs have a huge impact on those affected and the psyche of people in those affected industries. This first episode of Jump the Queue, I talk with three people with interesting angles and insights on this subject, and over the course of these three related yet distinct conversations, you'll hear what's foremost in their minds right now. We start with Michael McMillan, a CX insider and entrepreneur who literally grew up in the call center. I think this year, a lot of it is focused on, I mean, at least especially in this early part of the year is really all that's going on in the technology sector, especially around the CX space, right? Is uh, you're seeing a ton of layoffs occurring right now. You're seeing a lot of movement with inside of the um, organizations as well, especially in the technology side. And on top of that, you're seeing this huge surge in demand in automation and AI. Um, and it's such an interesting dynamic to have the two going on at the same time when a demand of technology and dependency of is growing and we're watching a lot of the support teams being taken out of these same companies. And um, it's it's both uh, concerning yet exciting. So it's, uh, you know, we're finally getting labor back into the market, I guess you could say. So in one way it's exciting, but in the other way, um, I know the dependencies that we're growing on our technologies now, especially in this cutting edge stuff with AI. Um, and I'm, I'm getting nervous and seeing, and, you know, is, is the team's going to be there to actually support it? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a really valid concern, regardless of whether it, it's I'm using new technologies or I'm using existing technologies from one of these larger providers. And, um, we are absolutely seeing those those layoffs keep coming, right? Um, do you think that that's a possibly a springboard for some other companies, whether they exist today or not, to get some of this talent that is now looking for work somewhere else and maybe shake things up? I do. I mean, and we've seen it before, right? Um, if you remember going back here a little bit in the Wayway machine, um, is uh, there was right now technology back in the day. It was one of my absolute 100% favorite technologies that was on the market. And then Oracle Bottom, right? And as soon as Oracle Bottom, basically their entire dev team exited stage left and they went to Zendesk. Um, yeah. And that was really the marker where Zendesk stopped being you know, the little Buddha dude who actually supported a few companies and started actually really doing something. And um, I still remember that. And it was really when I started engaging Zen seriously with some pretty big customers. I definitely believe this exodus and these layoffs is going to generate something new. And I've been saying for a while, it's needed. I mean, Zendesk is feeling its wares. Uh, ServiceNow is ServiceNow. Um, you know, 
everyone's running from the hills now from sales forces if they can, even though they're stuck so hard, but it's so expensive. It's, it's time, you know, I mean, fresh desk is there, but it's not, you know, it's just, there's not really a solution there. And then when you get into the CCAST, UCAST space, I mean, it's kind of a hodgepodge, but there's not anyone I'd say who's really like breaking the mold, right? Mm, it, yeah. They're kind of all following. They've kind of, you know, they're, they're, uh, oh, what was that game in the 80s? Lemmings or uh, where they all went off the cliff and stuff? The lemmings. Lemmings, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it just feels like that. I mean, I'm, I haven't seen someone who's really, I think it's, prime time. And I think with these layoffs, especially in the amount of engineering layoffs that we're seeing, I think you're going to see something and I'm excited to see it because it's desperately needed. Yeah. I think that's the thing that I'm looking forward to the most. I mean, obviously if you've been impacted by a layoff, that is a very personal mm -hmm. and scary thing. And, and certainly don't wish that on anyone I've been through it. So I know that that is, um, is a really challenging time. At the same time, there's the big possibility of what could come next that seems to be just right around the corner. And I think when we see times like this historically, some great things may, may come out of it, so. Absolutely, and, and something you hit on there, Rob, is so key too, is man, because I know a ton of these people who just got laid off and, and my heart bleeds for them and I've been trying to help them as fast as I can. But, you know, we were just having this conversation last week with uh, another one of my groups I'm on and it's just the hiring market is so broken on top of it too. And so it's like, and that's where I keep telling people, that's where I also think it's, you're going to see some new tech coming because getting hired is almost impossible right now. The ATS systems are a disaster. Um, you know, you're submitting resumes. I think I just saw a stat. The average resume is looked at at like 2.3 seconds, right? Like that's it. I mean, that's, you can't make a determination on that. So you're, I think you're about to see a lot of people who can't get back into the market and who have no other choice but to do something. And what they're going to do is start building stuff. And it's going to be exciting to see. But, you know, the other part you brought up, Rob, I'll, I'll want to jump back here, though, is just, you're right, is this affects on the legacy equipment side too. Um, you know, it's, it, it keeps reminding me, as I remember, it's probably about five years ago, uh, Cisco laid off an entire department of their custom integrations team, the whole thing, not just one, not just two, the whole team, right? And I had a customer who got screwed by it, right? I mean, like, I remember him calling me and this is, I was still consulting just independently. And he's like, Michael, he goes, please tell me, you know, one of those people, he goes, cause I have a project in flight that mm. they just said now is two years backlog. Cause they don't know who's going to do it. I'm like, <laughs> and that's what makes, so that's why I'm nervous is cause I remember yeah. my customers and my friends living through this. And like, I'm, I'm nervous about how are these companies going to actually step up and step in and it's a lot of it's you know it's the street that's pushing them on this mm. a lot of them are still making profit they just the street demanded higher profits and that's what my concern is that i think they're making some pretty scary choices now yeah it's certainly uh scary if you're working with them and you have something in flight it's scary if you're one of the people that's now looking for a job um, and it's scary, even if you're one of the people that has a great idea and you want to build something new, because that's part of that 
that whole thing, building mm -hmm. something new is scary. <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah. So uh, lots of excitement, but um, yeah, it's a scary world out there these days. So next, I talk with Mark Brody, a contact center vet with over 30 years of experience and the current president of the Austin Contact Center Alliance. I think, you know, you, you got to have a balance between um, between our professional lives and what we really enjoy outside um, outside of our work hours. And I think it's uh, what's really on my mind is, you know, being able to um, to really balance that out um, in 2023. Um, you know, you know, every time you open up LinkedIn or turn on the news or or whatever, you see another company that's laying off. And the first thing that comes to mind is, my gosh, the people that are 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 being impacted as horrible for. Um, and you know, I really want to, you know, as a as an industry professional, I want to be able to um to help people out and find their next landing spot and and be there to support to support folks, but, but also the people that are left. Um and now they're now they're not just doing their job, but they're probably having to take on additional workload. And from a from a contact center piece, um, you know there are there are positions that probably aren't being filled by some organizations that were open. It's not that they had a layoff or a riff, um, but they they may just not be filling some open positions for the time being. Uh, and what does that do for for those who are left remaining uh, at those companies? How can we make their jobs more efficient and how can we make them more effective um, at the job that they're being asked to do? Um, you know, that, that the, the whole employee experience uh, piece is something that is is front and center and great to spend, you know, 40 hours, uh, 40 hours or plus per week at your job. But you still have another 40 hours or so per week that you want to be able to spend with family. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that there's gotta be the balance. So that's really what's on my mind these days. I just had this conversation with Michael McMillan and we mm -hmm. talked about layoffs. The difference is, and I think this gets lost sometimes is considering the people who didn't get laid off and what the impact is on them. So you're talking about number one, maybe I've got more workload, but there's also this, there is a, um, a mental struggle that comes with this, right? Because these may be friends of yours, mm -hmm. work friends that uh, no longer are uh, within the workplace. You don't have that camaraderie potentially that you had because people have been let go and it creates um, a worry that you could be next because mm -hmm. when you start to see layoffs, I think there's a natural tendency to worry that more may be coming. And so now I'm worried about my job. I may have more work to do and some of my friends are gone. And I think we, put all the attention and focus on the people who have lost their jobs. And don't get me wrong. It's really important. Those people are going through a lot too. Um, and it's a very valid worry, but I love that you brought up the people that 
have been impacted in a completely different way. You know, it really hit home for me a few years ago, um, Rob, a company that I worked for um, went through probably about five to seven layoffs over uh, over a three year, three to four year period. And it's because the the business model um, legislatively changed Um, Mm. and there were people at that time that had already had 30 plus years with the company. Um, I mean, company loyalty was definitely there. Um, it, it was, a, it was a great organization, um, to work for. And then you started seeing, you know, the first question that, that, you know, came out is man, who's impacted. And then the people that had to deliver the news, it's like, how are you doing? You know, yeah. are you okay? Um, again, to your point, not to, not to diminish the impact that it, that it, it has in a minute, um, to, uh, to those that were, that were affected by the, um, by a layoff or a reduction in force or, or whatever, whatever occurs. Um, but it, it's, it's, it goes both, it goes to both sides of the equation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, um, you know, that, that's, that's really what's on, you know, like I said, that, that's what's on my mind this year is how can I be a, a, a good um, steward of the industry mm, yeah. um, and help people um, find their next landing spot, um, either proactively or reactively? Um, if they feel that they're going to be impacted at some point in time, well, let's let's start looking now so you're better prepared. Um, what's the old saying? You know, you can usually find a job when you're when you're in a job, you know, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes you just don't, you just, nothing is guaranteed, um, anymore. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I love that. I love that. Um, you're looking at a slightly different, uh, take on that and also looking to help. Yeah, definitely. And if anybody that, that's watching this, Rob, you know, they want to reach out to me, um, you know, directly through LinkedIn. If I can be of any assistance, um, can make a connection. That's what networking is all about. Um, and uh, I, I know you and I are very well connected um, with different organizations in, in the industry. And, and uh, I love the work that you do with with Next in Q, um, you know, because it really helps uh, helps people understand who and what is out there. So yeah, great job. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And same to you. Coffee Talk with Brohawk. If uh, if my listeners aren't aware, you have your own show, and uh, yeah, and I got one of those mugs. I I don't have it on my desk today, uh, but I do have one of those, and so kudos to you. Thank you. Finally, I chat with Tony Wan, a player experience expert in the gaming industry, who's worked with some of the biggest names in the business. I think our you know within the context of larger society just thinking about um proper boundaries not necessarily balanced because we will we will prioritize different things at different times and that's constantly shifting but i think b- being able to have more of more agency in those decisions i think has been um, a healthy trend and i hope that um we can come to uh let's say healthier relationships between labor and capital uh, over time because it's been uh, I think by the reaction that we're seeing, it has been too lopsided in one direction for too long.
Yeah, so it's interesting. I've been having a lot of conversations uh, this week about all of the layoffs that are happening. I'm wondering, do you think in some ways those are going to counteract some of those kind of new ways of thinking about boundaries? Because is is I wonder, do you think the pendulum might be swinging the other way after we've seen it swing so far in, in one direction over the last couple of years? I think that there are some people who will use it to those ends. Um, I, I hope that by and large it won't happen. Um, but, you know, there's you still have a very strong uh, general push in terms of business ownership um, and boards pressing for short-term quarterly gains. And so you get, as a necessity, short-term quarterly thinking um, without in anything that doesn't optimize for that doesn't get as rewarded. And so people do the right thing for the long-term, in many cases, despite the short-term incentives and um, the ways that they're being pushed by um, various um kind of owners and and um and kind of like top level boards and money managers um so my hope is that it doesn't but you know that's uh, I, I we will most likely see a number of companies head back in that direction and use uh use some of that momentum to push people uh, back in the opposite direction um and then you just have i think the complication of an individual's preference because there's some people who are just wired that way like I'm more wired towards overworking. Um, and so if my environment like doesn't put any brakes on that, I, I could possibly work myself into some really unhealthy situations. But if my work protects me, my, me from my own bad habits, then I have um, a much healthier lifestyle because my bosses and managers are forcing me to take breaks, for example. So I think it's way too complicated to kind of just paint in everything in, in too broad of a stroke. I think individual preferences are what they are and, you know, they'll find their places to be. Um, I think bigger market trends, you know, you'll see some big corporations who are just looking to squeeze as much productivity out of people as possible. will just continue along those trends because that's how they um, kind of continuously squeeze, squeeze out more profit. Um, or generate more profit from the additional efficiency. And then hopefully you'll see a, a string of new companies that um, have what I would call a, a more reasonable approach to growth, which is we want to grow. Absolutely. We're in business, right? We need to make money. Yeah. But at the same time, we want to have a legacy of a business that will outlast us and kind of go into the future and continue to produce good services, good products, whatever those may be. But um, but hopefully we can do so in a way that um, creates the, the largest net positive for uh, society plus the people who actually work at this company, um, you know, because that is the right thing to do and is, is much better for, you know, you, you have all these CSR kind of initiatives. Well, if you just ran your company in a better way, a lot of those would just go away. Like you wouldn't have to like silo it off in the corner and say, Oh, we have to do something for corporate social responsibility. 
because it's like PR coverage, right? And like, I think the general public is sick of that kind of stuff because they're like, well, you're, you know, you're just greenwashing or whatever it is that you're washing. You're just, you know, having kind of some kind of cover story for, oh, look, we're, we're actually good when the core of your business is still optimized towards human suffering or externalities or whatever you want to call them, right? <laughs> like, um, or, you know, <laughs> oh, it's, it's just not part of our business. It's just an externality. Like, it's just collateral damage. It's like, oh, those dead people? Like, okay. Um, so, you know, there's some. Um, you know what I love about you, Tony? You consider nuance. And I don't think there's enough of that in the world. And I'm being dead serious. You consider nuance and that there is not necessarily a, uh, issues are not black and white for you. Um, you understand that there is gray in the middle and that we want to try and find the, the best, uh, the best shade of gray to be in and that that will, you know, vary a little bit over time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to explore this, this thing about boundaries just a little bit more because I find it interesting that you recognize that you have a challenge in setting those boundaries between work and personal life. Um, and I think a lot of people will identify with that. Aside from just external forces, right? The uh, people that you work with helping you kind of put up uh, those boundaries would have, what's worked for you? Mm. Uh, I would say uh, a, a couple of things just to summarize one would be um, taking the time out to to consider uh, a, a moral framework for yourself so whatever that is for some people it's kind of a plug and play uh, religion for others it's um, a set of different maybe mental models um, and philosophers that they gravitate towards um, and they construct something that they like. Um, you know, for some people it's stoicism, you know, a certain kind of philosophy. And so I, I always encourage people who are struggling with drawing those boundaries to start at the, the most fundamental place you can, which is yourself, right? Like what do you actually value? Because if you can't, figure that out and you can't name it and you can't create for yourself a hierarchy of values, you have no way to prioritize um, your time. And work is so easy to say, oh, work. And then just make that general thing your life. And it doesn't matter what falls into that, um, bad or good, or what work forces you to do or how it forces you to behave or how it forces you to treat other people. Um, those things will be there just because you're a human being. And, and, you know, I like to think that most people are like, oh, you know, like this stuff happens. And, but then you, you go by it so fast, it, it could be a mistake. You could make, end up making decisions that degrade, you know, your soul or your spirit, so to speak, in a manner that uh, you will find to be um, too, too detrimental over time, where people have feelings of losing themselves, for example, or, like not knowing, like something happens and maybe they have a life event and they're like, where, 
like what have I been doing with my life or something yeah. like that or the, you know, a health situation and then they snap out of it but I, I I like to hope that people don't have to have such extreme events to be able to invest in themselves in that way and I think once you kind of set that in a decent amount of order then you can think about okay so work fits into this this is the most important things work fits into that and then therefore like how much of that fits into it because and you'll see this with you know there's been surveys done on younger generations where it's like oh it's it's a lot less about the monetary compensation and much more about quality of life or experiences just as a very broad stroke mm -hmm. and it's like okay well that means people have sat down and thought about it they're like yeah I saw a bunch of people work primarily for money. It doesn't look too good. <laughs> you know, like the younger people are like, hmm, that doesn't look too healthy. Like, I, I don't, I saw my parents do it. I don't want to do it. Or maybe something along those lines. Yeah. And so they're choosing to value other things, but you have to put in that time to say, well, I will value these other things more. Therefore, I won't do X, Y, or Z. And so I think that's fundamental. And then I would say, um, paying very close attention to the people in your life that you're closest to and want to be close to um, family, friends, loved ones, and making sure that you're continually investing time into those relationships. Because I think there's a false narrative around, Oh, it's not quantity. It's quality as if those things are always separate, but with human yeah. beings, they're not always separate. It's like, I I definitely will think that you care more about me if you spend more of your time with to, together with <laughs> me, right? Like, I, I think that's a normal human being thing. So unless I'm really off here, but I mean, that's, those things aren't always so cleanly cut or separate. I think it's a justification for people who want to appear to be able to be superhuman when 99.9% .9 of us are just normal people and we need better strategies for, you know, setting these boundaries. And so, you know, I think it's it's really about um, uh, you, you can only get off the social media stuff. You can only actually be really good friends with a very small number of people. Yeah. Choose those people, invest time in those relationships, and that will start to structure some of your life where you're like, well, I got to spend time with this person. Like, I have to spend time with my wife. Uh, we have to have, you know, date night at this set. I can't compromise on that and so you'll it'll naturally because other people will want your time your loved ones will want your time and energy it'll help you structure things in a way so that those relationships can be healthy as well as your relationship with work um and so i think that's you know my second large piece of advice is really around making sure that you are um and that helps you live longer we all know it's like whoever has stronger social connections and deeper ones tend to live longer and be happier and healthier so it's like okay cool like deep social connections you aren't going to get that unless you put the time in and so it's like okay who are those people why those people and then sure like actually do it like go for it and that'll help you structure because they'll be like yeah i want more of your time you know yeah uh, we should go here we should do this and well you got to be there for that stuff and that means you can't be working and you can't have your mind like this is one thing my wife and I had a separate, it's like, Hey, I work from home. So you got to give me 25 minutes. As soon as I turn this stuff off to go walk around or do something else before I'm actually at home, like mm, my whole brain yeah. is at home. Right. So yeah, I think those things are helpful. Those are incredibly helpful. I, I know they are. Uh, some of those things absolutely resonate with me and, 
I think all of us can do a better job of being intentional about spending time with people we care about. Next in Queue is brought to you by Happy To and is produced by me, Rob Dwyer. If you enjoy this podcast, please, by all means, subscribe and or rate this podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. But more importantly, please tell just one person about this podcast. Word of mouth is the best way for people to discover new content. As always, thanks for listening.